Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is Responsibility for Family Members. I can still remember my mother clutching her heart, threatening to have a heart attack and die, and blaming it on me, Anonymous. For some of us, the idea that we were responsible for other people's feelings had its roots in childhood and was established by members of our nuclear family. I will add my grandmother to that list. We may have been told that we made our mother or father miserable, leading directly to the idea that we were also responsible for making them happy. The idea that we are responsible for our parents' happiness or misery can instill exaggerated feelings of power and guilt in us. Yeah, that is that false... That is the power and guilt that reminds me of that link between grandiosity, which is I feel is like more towards power, and depression, which is more towards guilt that Alice Miller talks about when we're making our parents happy versus not. And if you carry this, you know, I think it's Werner Earhart who like founded EST or whatever, which is what Landmark is based on, said something about, you know, you have to solve your source relationships. And one of the things that I've realized also in the course of doing my podcast is some of the source relationships for me include my grandmother, just because, you know, growing up in an Asian culture, a lot of times grandparents do live with them, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, that is the exaggerated. And, you know, I think there's, what do they call it? There's four types, hero child, the lost child, the mascot and the caretaker. And I feel like the hero child and the caretaker sometimes think that they can do that, that those two roles. Uh, back to the reading. We do not have this kind of power over our parents, over their feelings, or over the course of their lives. You know, just internalizing it and believing it. And, you know, I've been doing this podcast for a decent amount of time, and I just really want to believe that. You know, and it's not just parents. It's just really anybody, really. Um, we're all going through our own stuff, I guess. And I guess intellectually it makes sense. And... Um, you know, part of why I do this is just to remind myself that and other listeners um, that we don't have that kind of power over. And we actually do have that power over our, our own feelings, at least not speaking for me, which I don't believe, which is interesting. Back to the reading. We do not have to allow them to have this kind of power over this. Our parents did the best they could. That is for sure, 100%, 200%. But we still do not have to accept one belief from them that is not a healthy belief. Yeah, I, I think I want to shift from what is right and wrong to what is healthy and unhealthy. They may be, and this that takes courage. I think courage is anything that is, you know, doing something differently. They may be our parents, but they're not always right. And I think that is the unfortunate thing in, in families, um, you know, where a parent could be a higher power. And again, that could carry to authority figures. They may be our parents, but their beliefs and behaviors are not always healthy and in our best interest. And I would say generations change too. We are free to examine and choose our beliefs. Let go of guilt. Let go of excessive and inappropriate feelings of responsibility towards parents and other family members. We do not have to allow their destructive beliefs to control our feelings, our behaviors, our life, or us. Today, I will begin the process of setting myself free from any self-defeating beliefs my parents passed on me. I will strive for appropriate ideas and boundaries concerning how much power and how much responsibility I can actually have in my relationship with my parents. And I think personal responsibility is not necessarily equated with doing it on my own. It's just, you know, finding other sources. 
God, I love Melody Beatty. The next reading is also from The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is detaching in relationships. When we first become exposed to the concept of detachment, many of us find it objectionable and questionable. We may think that detaching means we don't care. Yes, that at times it do. We may believe that by controlling, worrying, and trying to force things to happen, we're showing how much we care. <laughs> the worrying part, yeah. We may believe that controlling, worrying, and forcing will somehow affect the outcome we desire. And a lot of times, I think forcing and worrying will actually produce the outcome that I'm not desiring. Back to the reading. Controlling, worrying, and forcing don't work. Even when we're right, controlling doesn't work. In some cases, controlling may prevent the outcome we want from happening. That's what I said. As we pr She speaks truth. <laughs> I love her. As we practice the principle of detachment with the people in our life, we slowly begin to learn the truth. Detaching, preferably detaching with love, is a relationship behavior that works. We learn something else too. Detachment, letting go of our need to control people, enhances all our relationships. It opens the door to the best possible outcome. Yeah, I think that is, you know. There's a difference between acting with anger but just kind of detaching with love. It reduces our frustration level and frees us and others to live in peace and harmony. Detachment means we care about others and ourselves. It frees us to make the best possible decisions. Yeah, I think I had a situation last week where, you know, there was, you know, a family member, sister just getting back in the picture out of nothing, out of nowhere. And, you know, I can make that decision, you know, and again, maybe not by myself, but by talking to other people and choose what's healthy. Back to the reading. It enables us to set the boundaries we need to set with people. It allows us to have our feelings, to stop reacting and initiate a positive course of action. It encourages others to do the same. It allows our higher power to step in and work. Right, because if my mind is not preoccupied, then, you know, I've got some space for the sunlight and spirit. I guess that makes sense. That's my Enneagram 5 for my INTP trying to figure out everything. Back to the reading. Today, I will trust the process of detaching with love. I will understand that I'm not just letting go. I'm letting go and letting God. I'm loving others, but I'm loving myself too. Now we move to ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is PTSD. PTSD is a condition of the body and mind in which a person stores the memory of a violent attack or life-threatening event. Oof, deep breath. When we got to ACA, we knew our minds and emotions were affected, but our bodies? We saw that, yeah, and I'm going to stop. I, I can't remember who was writing it. Um, I think it was Peter Levine who uh, started reading Waking the Tiger, I think. And he was just saying, you know, a lot of therapists just pay lip service to, you know, the body, the issues in your tissues. And they just kind of, but, you know, don't really talk about how much, you know, the body keeps the score, the, you know, as Bessel van der Kolk's book is, or The Body Never Lies, which the great Alice Miller wrote. We saw that the literature talked about how our bodies carry original trauma. So we started to pay attention. We soon noticed something very disturbing. We had a lot of automatic body reactions that happened without our permission. Wow. Wow. Eventually, we realized that our present-day bodies were acting on autopilot to safeguard us from perceived threat signals that our child body stored long ago. It was overwhelming to hear that, because how do you change your body? Exactly what I was thinking. 
we found that one way was to keep reading encouraging words in our fellowship text. It gave us hope that our bodies could recover when we read on page 621 that what can be learned can be unlearned. And on page 626, we now have gathered the knowledge and experience needed to transmit a vision for healing the injury and hurt caused by childhood trauma. As we worked the steps, followed the traditions important, and attended meetings, we saw that our minds, emotions, spirits, and bodies started to heal. We were amazed at this program's power. It was larger than the effects that we carried in our blood, tissue, nerves, and bone. On this day, I will help my body recover by acknowledging when I have a physical reaction to a seemingly non-threatening situation. I will then reach out to try to uncover where the reaction is coming from to help myself heal. And the last reading, wow, these have been intense today. <laughs> I just feel like stopping at three, but we will go to inner drugs. Because we were raised in a chaotic or controlling home, our internal compass is oriented toward excitement, pain, and shame. Yeah, it's just weird too. Like I can get something done before a deadline, but then I might do something that will just create that excitement and, and still have some drama, you know, like that will still make me late, even though I might've done things 15 minutes before. Anyways, back to the reading. This inner world can be described as an inside drugstore. The shelves are stocked with bottles of excitement, toxic shame, self-hate, self-doubt, and stress. Do the following situations sound familiar? We walk into a room full of strangers and instinctively find the most toxic people in the room to befriend. We leave home with just enough time so our adrenaline is pumping when we arrive at our destination. We overcommit ourselves so that we can't possibly do everything we promised and then shame ourselves because we failed yet again. Many of us just naturally choose situations that create drama, people who are spinning out of control, and a life that balances on the edge of insanity. Again, it seems like contrary action, which is really difficult. It almost feels like we're hardwired to operate that way. Yeah, as we begin to understand the damaging effects of these inner... You know, one thing I'm coming from these readings is I really discount how much of my issue is in my body and still try to think about shooting and... I mean, the way I act is the way I act, you know? As we begin to understand the damaging effects of that of these inner drugs we keep taking, we learn to replace the toxic people. And that includes, you know, work environments in the family, you know, friends in re recovery, and, 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 also just, and also be aware of the healthy people you do want in your life. And drama with mutually respectful relationships and healthy excitement for recovery. We no longer need to recreate the familiar conditions of our childhood that keep us trapped in the chaos we gradually begin to appreciate the peace and quiet of serenity. It takes time, that's very important to remember, but we now release, realize we deserve better than the head we were dealt as children. On this day, I choose healthy people to spend time with, people who also value serenity. I welcome the calm that is becoming my new normal. And that reminds me of, uh, that book on, on stories, uh, my brain is um, not thinking uh, clearly and, uh, you know, just how we how quickly that, you know, new normals can emerge. And through the step work and tradition, a healthy new normal could possibly emerge. And that concludes the readings for today's episode. Until next time, this is Kawan Saluja reminding myself to pause because that's where my higher power God is.
to love myself and to feel my feelings.